Hey everyone, it's Alex from Alex and Books, and you're listening to The Reader's Journey, the podcast that takes you on a journey to meet amazing authors, discover brilliant books, and learn valuable lessons along the way. Now, let's get started. Hi everyone, Alex from Alex and Books here, and my guest today is Anne Bogle, author of I'd Rather Be Reading. Anne, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for giving me the opportunity to talk about my favorite thing. Of course. And so, yours, maybe. Totally. Yeah, we're on the same page here. Um, so oh, for, no pun intended. <laughs> maybe it was. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, so for listeners who are just hearing about you for, for the first time, I know you have a blog, you have a podcast, you're an author. Could you tell us a little bit about what you do and who you are? Sure. Um, the nutshell, the common thread is that I help readers get more out of their reading lives. So my podcast, What Should I Read Next, is on every Tuesday. And then since 2011, I've had a blog and book community called Modern Mrs. Darcy, which, yes, of course, is a Jane Austen reference. Awesome. And um, so I really love to talk about your book. I really enjoyed reading it. And I think my first question is, what inspired you to write a book about books and reading? Well, I'm sure you can relate to um, the idea of just once you t- start talking about books publicly with readers, you have all kinds of conversations about aspects of their reading life, questions, books, topics that you just never thought about when you're reading at home in your armchair. And I just have been thinking so much over the years about all these different topics and the things I'd like to say and the interesting things I've gotten to talk with other people about in their reading lives that I really thought readers would love to hear about as well. Yeah, you totally hit the nail on the head there. I love reading. I love your book about reading. So you're definitely on the right track. Um, So I like how you start the book about talking how hard it is to recommend the book. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Oh, sure. Okay. Well, this story goes way back to when I first started talking about books publicly on my blog, Modern Mrs. Darcy. And once you start talking about books, people start asking you for book recommendations, which is so much fun. I love to give book recommendations. But I found I get the same question over and over and over. And it was, can you recommend a great book? And I'd say, sure, what do you what do you like? What do you like to read? And they'd say, no, 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 it, does, it doesn't matter. Just tell me a great book. But that's not how reading works because my favorite book might be one that put you to sleep. And the book that changed my life might be a book that you couldn't get through you know, chapter three on. And so in order to recommend a book, I need to know what would make it great for you. And it was really interesting to me how how many readers just had never thought about it like that. They thought if a book is good, then everybody's going to love it. But it really got me thinking about not just how personal a good reading experience can be, but the difference between a book that is objectively well-written and a book that is subjectively just completely perfect for you and maybe not for anybody else. Yeah, totally. Uh, as a, like a book reviewer, I get that question a lot too. And people just say, hey, can you recommend me your favorite books? And I tell them like, hey, these are my favorite books, but they might not be your favorite books. So just giving that you know warning out there, you know, everyone's different. Everyone likes different things. So yeah, you try to point them towards the right direction, but it might not be for everyone. I think you talk a little bit about this, about the book police. And can you, can you kind of explain that concept to listeners who are just hearing about that? I think so many readers feel like they're doing it wrong. They're lacking that there is some objective standard out there or some brigade of English teachers that is going to come and take away their reading license if they don't do it right. And I hope you can hear that heavy, like air quotes around, right. Um, 
they think that if people found out that they actually never finished those classics you were supposed to read in high school, that they turned in the book reports and maybe got A minuses on them without reading the books, that they'll get their library card taken away. Um, there's so much, now of course this isn't everybody, but there's so much angst and shame that readers experience when it comes to things that they feel like they should have already read or that they should appreciate and they just don't get it. Or that... Um, it can go the other way too. Like they can really, really love a book that they believe is probably actually bad, but it makes them really happy. But they don't really want to admit that to everyone. And I just want to say like, there are no book police. Like you said, Alex, like it is, a, it is okay. Nobody's going to come take your reading card away. Yeah, totally. And that's one thing I struggled with until I, I read your book actually, because I consider myself a reader, but I haven't read, you know, War and Peace or Moby Dick or all these famous classic books. But, you know, I'm still a reader and, you know, a lot of people out there, like you don't have to read certain books to consider yourself a reader. So I think that's a very important point. Yeah, I haven't read either of those, too. <laughs> but I have to tell you, like, my blog is named Modern Mrs. Darcy and it is a Jane Austen reference. And if people get the reference and most most people do or they, you know, they get it like with just one beat, like Elizabeth Bennett, Mr. Mr. Darcy in the white shirt. And they go, oh, OK, Um when they find out that's what it is, so often they'll drop their voice and be like, hey, I have to tell you something. I haven't read any of those books. Um, I'm like, no, it is it is okay. Now, if you want to read those books, then I'm not going to talk you out of it. But if you read them and they just weren't for you or you haven't gotten around to it yet and you really don't care, like, we can still be friends. You can still be a real reader. It is okay. I love that advice. So good. Um, so you also talk about how sometimes you find the right book at the right time, like how you found a never split the difference. Can you tell us that story? Oh, sure. So it is true. I mean, I think I like to believe in bookish serendipity that sometimes through whatever means your library hold comes in, you stumble upon it at a bookstore. Um, you find the book on your bookshelf that you've had for seven years that you didn't, that you forgot existed. Um, it ends up being the book that you need in your life right then. And it could be because it addresses a specific problem, like never split the difference, or it could be that, um, you've had a really bad week and you need something that is going to make you laugh or you're having family issues and you just really need to read a redemption story about somebody else's awful family coming through a hard time. So it never split the difference. Um, my husband and I were getting ready to put our house on the market. We were talking with a realtor about what to do. And um, I think three days before, I'd finished this book called Never Split the Difference. can't remember the author off the top of my head, but it was written by somebody who used to be a hostage negotiator. And this book is a little bit about his field experience, but he takes that field experience and he transfers it to ideas like having a discussion with your a teenager in your life or um, negotiating something like buying a car or selling a house. So you can see how that was appropriate. And his advice was like, if you want to sell your house for 50 bucks, don't like set the price at, set, wait, how does that analogy go? No, real estate isn't my thing. Here's what he's saying. He's saying much of what you probably believe about negotiating is wrong. So this is what you should try instead. So I told our realtor, Sandy, what do you think about us doing it that way? And it's possible that it didn't matter at all that I'd read the book, that it was just a really good market and we had very lucky timing. But I'd like to think that I read the right book at the right time. And that's why we sold our house on the first day for more than the asking price. Yeah, that's wonderful when you could read a book and it just happens to like help you in that moment in life and just it makes the book so much more impactful. And that is great when that happens. 
Um, another benefit you talk about reading is how uh, when you read books, you're actually living multiple lives. Can you share more about that? Yes. Well, you know, there's these famous quotes about how um, a reader lives a thousand lives. The one who doesn't read only lives one. But something that I love about reading is the ability to, I'm going to say literally, that's not how it works, except in science fiction. But but it's the idea that you get to experience what it might be like to live a different kind of life for 300 pages at a time. Or if you're reading like a suitable boy, you get to do it for 1,200 pages at a time. But there's nothing like reading to quickly and um, effectively transport you into another world, another experience, another culture, another point of view. And uh, for those who like to travel and like to learn new things and gain new viewpoints, uh, there's nothing better, especially right now when we're all stuck at home. <laughs> totally. I think of a book's kind of like the original virtual reality. Like you get to explore mm -hmm. different worlds, go different places, and you never have to leave your house. And it's mm -hmm. super affordable to do it, too. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And some people like to go to different centuries and some people like to go around the world and some people just like to see what it might be like to just to live in somebody else's house or family or culture. And yeah, I'll, I'll take it all. Yeah, so much to so much you're, you could do with books. And uh, you also talk about how uh, growing up you live next to a library and that had like a huge positive impact on you and also like your kids. Can you share more about that? Yeah, Um I, be, because it was cheap, um, but the first house I lived in in my adult life just happened to be next door to a really great public library. I thought it would be convenient we moved in. I didn't realize how it was going to be pretty much everything, everything I loved about that. But um, when we moved in, I had no idea how much that would affect my my life. And maybe if you've been reading for a really long time and you have a lengthy history with the library, whether it was hard to access or really, really easy to access like it was for me all those years, you had a better idea. But I was like 22. I had no idea how that was going to impact my life. But because it was next door, I was there all the time. And because it had a nice circulation and I discovered the reserve request system where any book in the city could show up at the library next door within a couple days if it was available or a couple months if I had to make it through a long waiting list. Um, I read all kinds of things um, and with a frequency that I wouldn't have if the books weren't right there. I mean, I lived next door to 50,000 books. They weren't in my house, which is probably a good thing because can you imagine, I, I can barely keep my own books sorted mm -hmm. now, but there was always something to read. That's incredible. I was also fortunate to grow up next to the library a few blocks away. And I would always go there after school, you know, either do homework mm -hmm. or read books. And yeah, it's so cool that you have so many books available, like right next to your house. So highly recommend, you know, checking out. Well, right now is probably not the best time to go to the library, but in the future, definitely check one out. And you also talk about some of the dangers of being book bossy and avoiding the word should. <laughs> Can you talk more about that? Sure. Um, so when I say book bossy, I mean... I mean, recommending books is a tough business, Alex. You know, you do it. And there's several different ways to recommend books. And there's there's a way to recommend books that um, can be like giving somebody a gym membership for Christmas when they didn't ask for it. Um, it's tough. Uh, I tell I tell a story about how uh, at one point when a friend went through a really bad breakup, I gave her two books that were just kind of obnoxious. So I gave her one book that was about um, 
people who lost the ability to smell because she had lost the ability to smell once. No, I think actually she never had the ability to smell. And people would tell her all the time, like, that's not possible. That means you can't taste things either. Like, that's not a thing. And she's like, hello, <laughs> I truly can't smell that gasoline as you're pumping the gas. Like, this this is my experience. I don't know what else to tell you. So I sent her a book about that. But I also sent her a really obnoxious book about, like, how to pull your life back together after, you know, that she did not ask for. So what I did was I gave her what I thought she needed in a way that was really um, – really obnoxious, just really obnoxious. And when you're recommending books to people and you recommend something that you think they need, but they either don't want, don't care, or don't think they need, then I mean, just don't, don't be like that. Don't be like that. But there's another way that we can do this. We can assume that when we love a book, that that's because it's amazing. We think it's a great book, not just great for us, but great for everybody. And we go around telling people like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. You have to read this indiscriminately. We thought it was great. And we just don't understand how other people read for different reasons and they enjoy different things and they have different priorities and personal histories. And when we appreciate what makes our reading experience unique, I think it makes us less of a hazard to other readers. I think that's some great advice. I always say, like, instead of you should read this book, I would say, hey, I, I think you like this book. And I also noticed that if someone comes to me uh, asking for a book recommendation and I recommend them something, there's about like a 50, 75% chance they'll read it. But if I just go to them and say, hey, you should read this book, they almost never read it because it's kind of like forced upon them instead of them asking for it. Yes, that's my experience as well. And, you know, I love to read and I love hearing what my friends are reading, but I really noticed when I was clearing out my bookshelves um, a couple of years ago that I had this huge pile of books that belonged to other people that I needed to give give back to them because I was clearing out. And I realized that the books that I had from other people that they had loaned me that I haven't read were all books that they just dropped off. Like, oh, hey, I I read this and I loved it. And I'm glad, I'm glad that they thought of me and they knew I liked to read and thought that I may enjoy this book because it's a book and I like books. Um, but I did notice that. And I like to think that I know better and I might not pick up a book just cause I don't feel like it right now. Um, but I, it's, it's, I'm, I'm human and I'm a reader and I do that too. But yeah, that's totally my experience as well. And so I like to talk about the, the rite of passage all readers go through and I just wanted to read this quote from your book because I think it'll help set the tone. Mm -hmm. uh, we don't enter adulthood as fully formed adults, nor do we enter adulthood as fully formed readers. When I graduated, I still had a lot of growing up to do, but nobody told me I had to grow up as a reader too. Can you tell us more about the rite of passage as readers go through? Yeah, I think many people who love books do this so naturally, they don't even realize they've done it. Um, and other adults are very conscious of the fact that they don't have the skill set to curate a reading life that really brings them joy. But for everyone who has a vibrant reading life, that it's not a it's not a coincidence. It's because they possess a skill. It's actually a whole catalog of skills that they built up over time, either intentionally or just with practice. They didn't even realize they were doing it. But they are in the habit of reading. Um, they know how to choose books they enjoy. They know how to navigate the library. They know how to solicit recs. Um, they know, they have the attention span that hasn't been killed by Instagram to settle down and read something for 10 minutes straight without scrolling. Um, these are all, these are all skills that you're not just born with. You have to cultivate over time. And the reason that I talk about that as a rite of passage is because once you leave school, nobody's going to make you read anymore. Maybe you'll have a book assigned for work. 
Maybe you'll sign yourself up for a book club, although that's not truly obligatory. But if you're going to read and what you're going to read is totally up to you. And a lot of people fall off and don't read for a little bit during that transition. Either they weren't prepared for it or they don't think they care anymore and they just see what life is like without reading. Totally. Yeah. I noticed like school teaches people how to read, but not how to be readers. Like in school, you're always assigned books and you're told kind of what books to read. But once you graduate, it's kind of like up to you to decide what to read and to, you know, read on your own time and not, and like read on based on the books you enjoy, not like someone else is picking them. That is such a good way to put it. I really like that. (laughs) Thank you. And so you also mentioned uh, some of the benefits of rereading a book. Can you share those with Mm -hmm. us? Well, I'm a big rereader. I love to reread a book. And I know that not everyone agrees. So the people who don't like to reread say, I've got thousands of books on my to-be-read list. I'm never going to get through them all. Why would I waste my reading time reading something I've already read? But I love to reread. I think part of it is that I am a writer and I love the behind the scenes look at anything just I think that's fascinating, whether it's why your sidewalk goes where it does or how they put your food together back in the kitchen in your favorite restaurant. I love to know the behind the scenes. Um, But rereading a book, if you read it back or in a short time frame, you get to see how the author put it together. The first time you're reading to find out what happened, you know, you you see what the plot is and where the characters end up. But the second time, knowing the story, you're more conscious of how the author told it. And with the long view, you you see those first events differently than you did. Like one of my favorite books, Crossing to Safety, goes in a circle. It begins when the characters are 70. And then you go back to when they're young, when they're in their maybe 20s. Um, so it ends with somebody's about to die. You don't know who they are. You don't care. Um, you don't know like what it matters or how they got here. But on your reread, you see everything completely differently because you know them and you know their history right from the beginning. But the other reason I'd like to reread is because if you pick up a book when you're 20 and then you don't pick it up again until you're 30, it's a different experience. And it really tells you as much about yourself as it does about the book you're reading. You may love it more um, than you did all those years ago. You may have a deeper understanding or you may, you may think like, wow, I've matured a lot and I didn't have that great taste sometimes when I was 20. That happens too. But either way, it's always interesting. Yeah. And I love like when it comes to fiction books, when you reread, reread a book, you catch a lot more of the symbolism and the mm-hmm. deeper meaning behind it. And when mm-hmm. it comes to nonfiction books, when you reread it, it's just like, it's, there's so much great information in there. There's no way you could absorb it all at once. Mm-hmm. So you're like, yeah, it's okay to reread books and highly recommend it for like books you love. Like you said, um, uh, there's a quote like no man steps in the same river twice mm-hmm. is the same with books like no one re- reads the same book twice yeah so you're a rereader also totally yeah i, I recommend okay. it as well yeah <laughs> i'm glad to hear that yeah and uh you also talk about the benefits of uh writing in books can you talk to us about that oh well i do like to mark up my books and i have great appreciation for my books and some of them are really like special to me but because of what i do um a, a book is a tool and a nice pencil or book dart, if you wanted to face it, can really help me understand and underline the important parts and make it a lot easier to go back later and see like what jumped out at me. Wait, what happened in that important scene again? Um, I like to mark things like, ooh, here's a title reference and here's a key moment. Uh, if that totally freaks you out, you can always put a post-it across the page and, and make your notes there. Um, but something I think is 
also really important when it comes to capturing information is just keeping a log of what you read. I haven't always done this. I'm so jealous of some of my friends who've been keeping reading logs of every book they've read since they were like 12. I've only done this seriously for maybe five or six years. I've done it sporadically through time, but I wish I had a history of all the books. But I really think when you just think about what you remember reading, you don't really have an accurate picture of your reading life. Because it's easy to tell yourself, oh, I'm reading a ton right now. Um, but if you look at your reading log and you see you've only read three titles since Christmas, then you, you're not. You may feel like you're reading but your reading log doesn't lie. And you may think that you're reading diversely and you may think that you're branching out, but I mean, the data doesn't lie. So capturing it on paper really tells you the truth about your reading life. I don't know what it is, but sometimes I feel like I'm not reading, but if I look in my log, I'm like, oh no, I actually, I may feel harried, but I am getting it done. Sometimes it's the opposite. Either way, I'm glad to have the information. Yeah, I've only recently starting this year, I started using Goodreads to track my reading yeah. progress. And I found this super helpful because I could see like what books I've read, like, and I also update my progress. So I feel like, hey, I, I read 50 pages yesterday, mm -hmm. let me update my Goodreads. And you yeah. see that progress bar move forward. And it's like, hey, I'm one step closer to like achieving my reading goal. And yeah. it's, it's a great way to track your progress. What inspired you to start? Um, I followed a couple other uh, um book instagrammers and they mm -hmm. were sharing their stats on goodreads and how you could track like your reading uh mm -hmm. how many books you read and you could also set like a reading challenge so for this year i set my challenge for 60 books because mm -hmm. i wanted to be ambitious and mm -hmm. i just read 33 books so far so mm -hmm. I'm, I'm on track on pace yeah yeah and uh going back to what you said about highlighting and writing books that's something mm -hmm. i do as well because i found that uh, when I go back to a book when I first started reading and I didn't do any of that, like I'll open up the book and I barely remember like what I read in it. Mm -hmm. But if I like highlight it and I wrote in it, I could kind of like review my notes and I just feel like it's a lot more engaging and it helps you remember. Mm -hmm. And it's harder to fall asleep when you're, you know, when you're writing in a book. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I really think I read differently with a pencil in my hand. Mm. My brain, my brain's like, we got to be ready. Totally. You're ready to act. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I tell people it's like active activity, not a passive one. It's not like TV. It's like you're involved in the process of reading. Yes. And I know that even though your brain is working hard to assemble, assemble the movie that the book is in your mind, um, it is, it is a lot less like Netflix. So it's not the same as Netflix is what I'm saying, but it's even less like Netflix when, when you're taking notes. And I just want to say nothing disparaging about Netflix. Like Netflix is delivering me the West Wing right now and it's making me really happy. They're great stories on Netflix too. But um, if you're going to take the time to read a book, then you want it to stick with you. And it's such a simple way to help make help make that story or that information a little bit stickier. Totally, yeah. And what you said, yeah, you could be a reader and love Netflix too. I'm on the same page there too. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so I, I like to talk about how you mentioned how reading isn't just like the solitary activity everyone thinks it is. Like you don't have to just sit at home mm -hmm. in a corner just reading all day. It could also be a social activity. Yeah. C could you share a little bit more about that? Yeah. Although we had a real rainy day here where I am a couple of days ago and it was definitely the kind of day that you just want to like curl up and get a cup of something and just not move and read your book. I had work to do, but it was the kind of day that really that would have been nice to do. Um, yeah, we do think of reading as something we do in isolation, which in many ways is true. But 
So many readers love nothing more than connect with other readers about the books they read and love or the books they want to love or actually, you know what, readers really love connecting about the books that they didn't like. If you want to have a really great conversation, um, tell somebody about a book that you really didn't like and didn't work for you and um, they'll be like leaning in to listen close and hear everything you have to say about that. But what I love about reading is not just that it's a wonderful pastime or my favorite kind of entertainment or that it feels, um, you know, worthwhile for life and not just like something that's here and gone, but books are a shortcut to get to the heart of what really matters. And it, there's no such thing at, wow, I just want to pull out all the superlatives when I talk about the reading life. When you get together with another reader, even one you haven't met before, if you can connect over a book you're not just making small talk to pass the time. It's so easy to talk about things that really matter to humans because that's what books do. They let you connect over the things that matter most to all of us in a really engaging, entertaining, and not socially awkward way. I mean, you would never walk up to somebody and be like, so tell me about your biggest struggles and the things that, that keep you awake at night and the things you fear and how do you feel about redemption and hope and tragedy? But I don't know, what did you finish reading last week? You can probably find half of those themes in that book and talk about it in a way that's enjoyable and not awkward. Yeah, totally. Yeah, asking someone about like what books have you enjoyed is a better icebreaker than like what struggles are you facing right now? Or <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Tell me about the worst moment of your week. Yeah, that's that's not a great way to connect at a party. Right. But yeah. spe speaking of worst moments, uh, you mentioned in the book how some books have made you cry, but that's actually like a good thing when you find a book that impactful. Can you share more about that? Uh, well, I guess that depends on how you feel. And there, I mean, people fall in different camps on this. So, I mean, I remember my fifth grade teacher um, taking our whole class to the point of tears or like gut-wrenching sobs when she read the end of, um, oh, I can't remember. It's the book about the coon dogs, Where the Red Fern Grows, okay. which has an amazing backstory. Like that author, it's worked on that book for 30-something years and he wasn't going to publish it, but his wife said, no, maybe you should just try. I had no idea. I, I found that out yeah. as an adult probably many years after I heard it in the classroom. But um, so maybe two thirds of the class was like, I didn't know a book could transport me to the place, that kind of place. And the other third were just like, I hate you, fifth grade teacher. How dare you? <laughs> so that depends on how you feel. Um, some authors are really... I personally really dislike feeling that an author has emotionally manipulated me to feel an emotion. Um, but an author who can deliver a story that makes me cry because they earned that kind of response, I really admire that. That's hard to do. Mm. Yeah, I feel like some of the best books I read are the ones where after you finish them, it's kind of you feel like you lost a friend. Like you, you wish you could go back in time and read it again. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. those are some of the best books you'll ever read. Yes, mm. such a good sign. Mm. So I know we start our conversation talking about how hard it is to give book recommendations, but I, I'd, I'd love to ask you just from like your personal experience, what, what are two books that had a huge impact on your life and how did they change you? Oh, two books that had a huge impact on my life. You could take that in a lot of different directions, Alex. I would and say how like did a they positive me? impact. <laughs> well, yeah, but there's those books that you read that, um, that change your career or that form a friendship or that make you think that you could write something or that let me think two books that changed me. 
All right. Let's say we just had our fourth anniversary of the first meeting of the Modern Mrs. Darcy Book Club. So this is top of mind, even though I haven't read it for four years. But we read The One in a Million Boy by Monica Wood, which is a wonderful book if you like tales of unlikely friendships, if you like the idea of a 104-year-old woman and a flailing 30-something, both going through their own episodes of grief, coming together in an unlikely way for a common cause. Um, I really enjoyed it. But but that was the first book we read together as book club. So that was important to me because it was the beginning. Well, first of all, it was a wonderful reading experience. Oh, it was also interesting to me because that was a book that based on the description, I never would have picked up. Um, I don't want to read a book about tragedy. Um, I don't want to read because it begins. This is not a spoiler. It begins with a young child dying unexpectedly. Um, which of course is tragic. I don't want to read about that. Um, but a trusted friend who's a bookseller told me, I read this book. I really think you'll love it. And let me tell you why. Um, and this wasn't just volunteered. I, I had just said, I'm looking for great spring reads. What do you, what do you have in mind? What have you read lately that you loved? And what do you think I would like? And this is what she told me. So really enjoyable reading experience that I only had because I was open to, really trusting a a bookish friend and is really important in my personal and professional work to kick off our book club together. We had a really interesting conversation. Um, We corresponded with the author about how she put this book together and the origin story and what it meant. And it's one that I still think of four years later. And anytime you read a book and you're still thinking about it pretty regularly four years later, that's a great sign. And then the second one I'm going to choose, I think let's go with Ex Libris by Anne Fadiman. One of the epigraphs to I'd Rather Be Reading is from that book, Ex Libris. And it's a it's a collection of essays about the reading life, and I read it many years ago. I really enjoyed it, and that may have been the the book that planted the seed that made me think, maybe I could do something like this one day. I'm certain that it got me thinking um, in the mindset when I began blogging about books to think, uh, what's interesting about this? What's unique about this? Because what Ann Fadiman does in that collection and some other ones that I have on my cart back there that I haven't yet read, is she she highlights what's unique about her own reading experience and how it might be different from other people's. She grew up in a bookish family, just surrounded by books with a bunch of big nerds who were compulsive proofreaders and left books all over the place, open um, stacks and all kinds of disarray. And I think having read that when I was fairly young, um, I think it turned on some kind of editor in my own brain that made me think what's different about my reading experience. Cause it's nothing like Ann Fadiman's, but that's that's kind of the point. It's nothing like it. So what what is unique about mine? And just because uh, you mentioned like uh, when I asked that question, is like you you thought about what inspired you to be a writer, and I just have to ask this question because a lot of my audience are like aspiring writers. Uh, was there like could you recommend the book that had a big impact on you that kind of swit made a like activated something in your brain that said, hey, I want to be a writer, and this book kind of help motivate me to become a writer? Yeah. Um, I really like books about the craft. So I think Strunk and Right White, uh, when I was pretty, I think I read that when I was maybe in middle school, definitely early high school, and it changed the way I read and thought about writing. But we read Annie Dillard when I was in high school. We read, it was an excerpt from The Writing Life, though I didn't know that at the time. It was about the moth. And I remember thinking, I didn't know you could do this with words. And it just got me 
it got me thinking about putting words together and the kinds of stories you could tell. Not not fictional stories, but just the, the way you could capture your experience in a way that was less straightforward and more illustrated than I than I realized was possible. It just really it opened my eyes and got me thinking. Awesome. That's great to hear. I recently just picked that book up, so I'm definitely going to move it up the oh, to the so red funny. list. <laughs> Serendipity. Yeah, totally. Uh, so before we wrap up, uh, I just want to say I really enjoy this conversation. I'm sure listeners are enjoying it as well. And if people want to learn more about you, mm -hmm. uh, where should they go? Where can they find you on social media or online? Can you tell us where to find you? Mm -hmm. Well, if you like book podcasts, mine is at what should I read next on Instagram is the platform we use the most. And it's what should I read next on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And then my home base on the web is modernmrsdarcy.com. Awesome. Well, and it's been incredible talking to you today about books. I really enjoyed our conversation and I highly recommend everyone pick up a copy of I'd Rather Be Reading. So, Anne, thanks. thank you for joining us today. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Hey, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Reader's Journey. You can learn more about what was covered in today's podcast in the show notes below. If you enjoyed this podcast, the best way you can support it is by subscribing and leaving a positive review. If you're looking for book reviews and recommendations, head over to alexandbooks.com. If you want to join my reading journey, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Alex and Books. That's all for now. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope to see you soon. Read on, everyone.